But I think the Gospel of Luke ends with an emotion that maybe you wouldn't expect if you were just reading the Gospel through. In verse 52, the very end of the Gospel, after Christ was carried up into heaven, Luke says that the disciples worshiped Christ and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. It's that phrase, with great joy, that I find unexpected. If I were to write the story, if I were to turn it into a novel, it seems like I might write it with the disciples being sad, right? Or at least being somewhat melancholy. Here is Jesus, the one whom they've followed for two years, the one whom they've witnessed crucified and risen, the one in whom they have put all their hopes, the one for whom they've left everything to follow. He's physically now leaving them. It almost seems like they should feel some sort of emptiness, some melancholy or sadness. We know in our own lives, of course, how hard it is to say goodbye, how hard it is to say goodbye to friends and loved ones who have to return home after a trip or who have to leave for a business trip or something like that. And so I think as we get to the end of the gospel, Luke is inviting us to ask that question. Why exactly are the disciples so joyful in this moment? If the ascension, if Jesus returning to the Father is not a sad event or a somber event like Good Friday maybe, what's making it so joyful for the disciples? And answering this question, I think, will help us to understand the importance of the ascension in the story of our redemption. And the first reason that the ascension is joyful it's because it signals to the disciples and it signals to the world the victory of Christ. In fact, the disciples understand his ascension as connected to his reign as king. At first, they don't put it together correctly. At the beginning of the book of Acts, they ask him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? They recognize that Christ was about to do something to truly display his authority over all the world. At that moment, they thought very narrowly that this was just about the nation of Israel. But they would soon realize there's a global, a cosmic significance of Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father. In fact, in Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples before the ascension, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. What becomes clear is that when Jesus ascends to heaven, he is no longer restricted to being in just one place. Right? We should not think of the right hand of the Father where Jesus sits as a literal geographic destination. It's not a place on a cosmic map we can point to, like you could point to Lafayette on a map of Allen County. But being at the right hand of the Father means rather that Jesus is an authority. There is nothing in all of creation that is not under his dominion. He is Lord of all. And so we must not imagine the Lordship of Christ as a scenario where Jesus is just sitting on a faraway throne and he's handing the reins of the world over to us. Rather, we understand that Jesus' Lordship is active and continuous. Jesus is actively ruling in all of creation right now. Jesus actively is involved He's actively present in all of creation, including all of our lives. 
And nothing happens in this world that happens outside of his dominion, his lordship. In fact, it's for this reason that St. Paul can write, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Christ is the Lord now over all creation, which means he is directing all for his purposes. Even the enemies of God, sin, death, and the devil, are made debtors to Christ, and they have no final authority in this world. Whatever pain and grief they cause are temporary. The fullness of Christ's kingdom is greater. And if Christ is at the right hand of the Father, then he can truly fulfill his promise to the disciples that he will never leave them nor forsake them. Each disciple can go his own way in this world, and Jesus will still be present with him. Likewise, while Jesus was on earth, he was far away from most of humanity. But now we confess that he is very near. Jesus is not restricted to Jerusalem or to Galilee, but he is as present in Lafayette, Ohio, as he is in Jerusalem or the Vatican or anywhere else. His ascension makes him all the more present with us. And he is present not only as God, but also in his humanity as a man. When Christ was ascended, he did not cease to be human. He did not get rid of his body. But in his body, he is at the right hand of the Father. And this is joyful news. And it's joyful news, first off, only received by faith. Right? We can't do a scientific experiment to prove that Jesus is now here and everywhere. But the joyful news comes in trusting the promise of Christ that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's joyful news to know that we too, as embodied humans, will stand in the presence of God because we are united to the ascended Christ. We know, joyfully, we know that we have a mediator who knows our pains and griefs and strengths in this body. Christ knows in his body what we go through, and so nothing happens to us that's foreign to him. And so Christ now ministers to us perfectly at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for us and prays for us. He is our perfect high priest. And the second reason the disciples who witnessed the ascension with great joy is they know joyfully that the ascension signals the coming promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to them in verse 49, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so that here in the city until you have been clothed, stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The Father and the Son are sending the Holy Spirit to the disciples. That's all the reason in the world to be joyful. Last week we heard from Christ about the Holy Spirit being our advocate and about being the spirit of truth in this world. Well, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is nothing but joy. It's nothing but a joyful ministry. Again, as Christ has left the disciples and flesh on the earth, God's presence is dwelling all the more powerfully in the disciples. The disciples were never abandoned. They were never orphaned. But now they are equipped by the Holy Spirit to know God's word more fully and to have their faith ever strengthened. The Holy Spirit then will lead the disciples to be the men of faith to lead the church. And how much more true is that for us? 
that the Holy Spirit assures us that we are not abandoned in this life, that we are never orphaned, but that God is always, always with us. Finally, with the ascension of Christ, the disciples are now equipped and commissioned to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world. That is, they're given this job to do, to take the good news to the world. Jesus says to them that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. The ascension allows the disciples to go out into the world as sent ones, as apostles, and declare to the nations that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Jesus Christ has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered the devil. And if Jesus is Lord over all, then the forgiveness of sins is available to all who believe it. That's joyful. That's the joyful news of the gospel. In fact, there is nothing more joyful for the church to be doing than to proclaiming the forgiveness of sins to those who believe that Christ is Lord. This is what Christ has come for. He has come to redeem us from sin and its power. He has come to deliver us from the grave. He has died in our place on the cross and has promised eternal life to those who trust him. And now his disciples get to take that joyful message to the world. Being a Christian, being one who has received the forgiveness of sins, and being one who gets to proclaim that in Jesus Christ forgiveness is available to all is a joyful life. When the church gathers around that central truth, we will find that it's a joyful church. Recently I've noticed that the institutions of our denomination, and many denominations in the wider church, have shown a kind of infighting and anxiety, frustration. They're anger, there's anger with one another. And so many people in our wider church are anxious and angry. And the root of so much of this is that they make the church's purposes centered on something other than the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. There's always a temptation to make the church a political platform, to make it a social justice concern, a charity. Folks want to make the church a venue for entertainment and so on. But none of these things are the true joy of the church. The proclamation of the forgiveness of sins, the proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that is the true joy of the church. And so on this Sunday of the Ascension, we also must remember that today is a day of true joy. For Christ is present with, in, and among us this morning. The Spirit is now working in us. And Christ has given us the forgiveness of sins. And now Christ is sending us out into the world to tell others of this good news. Like the disciples, we too ought to be full of great joy. We ought to be blessing God in our church because we are assured now and forever that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.